Kyle, as we looked back on 2022, you and I did a lot of uh, deep diving into our lead sources. We're doing it even more. Uh, that's one of my big rocks this quarter is to dive in on multiple lead sources to, to figure out ROI and uh, specifically how we're tracking it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But what we found is um, internet leads kind of suck in terms of return. Um, and they're getting worse, which is which is scary. Um, and there's reasons why. Um, so I want to talk about that in just a second. But also, I don't want to just do doom and gloom. Hey, it's horrible. Sucks to be you. See you later. I want to talk about kind of some some plans and, and some what, some things that we're working on with our team to um, kind of combat that and work a much, 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 much stronger lead source that often gets easily forgotten. Good job, Brian. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I want to dive into that today. I want to talk about first, you know, kind of our sentiment when it comes to internet leads. And then the thing that I think is the most overlooked thing in one's real estate business that I would love to see a lot of our listeners shift their focus toward as they start to realize that for the most part, internet lead generation just doesn't financially make sense for most of us. So we're not only going to tell you why we don't think it makes sense, but we're going to tell you what does make sense and hopefully shift some of your attention there today. Good job, Kyle. <laughs> so complimentary today. We both had long days. We got to be nice to each other. I think we're both fragile right now. Like yeah. One negative thing, we might both just curl up in a ball and cry. So been there. there you so go. Kyle, who are you? <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty in San Diego. I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group in San Diego. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you ever have a question, you want to have us answer on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com where you can ask us questions, subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel, join our referral network for everybody leaving California, uh, get on our private uh, our private Facebook group and email newsletter where we share a lot of tips and tricks um, and get dialed in with our content creation course. So all of that is at thewhistleway.com. All right, Brian, let's do this. So, okay, before we, we said... Um, internet leads suck. Let's back it up. Let's back it up with some stats. But before we do that, let's talk about tracking the return on investment and how everyone does it and how everyone does it wrong and how it really needs to be done. Let's first start with that of how do we know they suck? Yeah. I, and I think most of you that are listening to this are probably not tracking correctly because <clears throat> the way that a lot of these systems handle tracking, the way that a lot of uh, coaches tell you to track this stuff is completely wrong and completely screwed up. And we learned this, our friends at Zillow, when we started working with them, they were like, here's how we track things. We're like, holy crap, that makes a whole lot of sense. We've actually been doing this wrong for all these years because here's what most of us do. We're recording this episode here in, in January of 2023. What most of us do is we look at December 2022, last month, and we look at how much money did we spend last month, how many leads did we generate, how many of those leads did we convert, and how much money did we make. And then based on that, we say, all right, well, my conversion rate last month was number of leads converted divided by leads generated. And then we say return on investment is um, money in, <laughs> divided by money out. Mm -hmm. And we determined that that's what our return on investment was. 
that's not right, okay? The money that you spent last month had very likely has nothing to do with the money that came in last month. And here's what I mean by that is the leads that you closed last month are very likely not leads that you generated last month. You likely generated those leads the month before, the year before, two years before, they were not generated last month. So the money you spent last month was for a batch of leads last month. Let's just assume that was 100 leads that came in. We're not going to know the return on last month's investment for two years from now, maybe three years from now is when we'll actually know the return on investment for last month. And let me break it down for, for those of you guys like, no, no, no. I, I think the, the leads that I did buy, I, I did convert. It's very, very unlikely. The, the leads that you did buy that did convert are the lead that you got December 1st and it was an investor and he wanted to do a cash close before the end of the month. If that happened, then yes, the money you spent in December to generate that lead December 1st, that closed on December 26th, yes, that is money in, money out. But typically, the money you spent in January 2022, especially if it's internet lead, which we'll talk about more, the money that you spent in January 2022, they close in September, October, November, or the next year, or the next year. And so that's what we're talking about. It's very, very, very unlikely, and it happens from time to time, but very unlikely that the money you spend that month is you can equate the money you make in that month. Yeah, yeah, that works. So when we started to do this, we're not even really looking at the conversion rate or return on anything until it's been in our system at least 12 months. So we can now, with some reasonality, look at the leads we generated in December of 21 and we can start to make some determinations how that money we spent in December 21 did. But what we're doing is we're looking at how much did we spend in December 2021 and how many leads did we generate? And then how many of those specific leads that were generated back in December 21 have since closed? And we're gonna take that number, divide that by the total number of leads generated in December 21. That's how we're gonna figure out our conversion rate. Then we're going to take the money that came in from those leads and divide that by the money that went out. And that's how we're going to determine that return on investment. And then we will update those numbers periodically. I think realistically with an internet leads about three years is, is a full conversion cycle. Um, once it goes beyond three years, it probably is attributed to another lead source at that point. But I think reasonably it's going to take three years to truly know that return from December of 21. So we can start to get a good idea of the return after one year, but there are still going to be leads that are going to convert this year from that batch. And there's going to be leads that are going to convert next year from that same batch. So that's the right way to run your numbers. But again, what we're most of us are doing is we're looking at what came in last month and what closed last month. And those are typically unrelated um, data points. Yeah. For our industry. Now, if you were selling sneakers, Cool. That makes oh, sense. Love me some sneakers. I know. Uh, that that makes sense. You can say, hey, I spent 10 grand in January. I had this many sales. Like that makes sense. But for longer or for bigger purchases like homes, it's going to be a, a longer sales cycle. Yep. Um, one other thing that I want to talk about that we are tracking, we're talking, so a couple things. So we're tracking the number of closings. We're talk, tracking the amount spent that month. Uh, we're also tracking, talk about, Company dollar versus uh, 
profit versus uh, net versus gross. Jeez, those are a bunch of numbers, words. God. Brian, you just keep taking pretty videos and pictures, okay? I'll worry about the numbers. It's fine. The numbers, words, things. <laughs> so gross versus net. Talk about how we're trying, yeah, what so, that means too. You know, the way that you have to look at this stuff is you got to look at total revenue, like how much money came in or GCI is what it's most commonly referred to in our industry. Then you have to subtract your cost of goods sold. So if you had a split with an agent or a referral fee out with a referral partner, you have to subtract that out from the gross commission income or the total revenue. Once you subtract your cost of goods sold, that gives you your gross profit. Then, nope, not yet. That gives you your gross profit. Then you subtract your expenses and that will ultimately give you your net profit. So there's uh, the term between total revenue minus cost of goods sold equals gross profit. If you take gross profit divided by total revenue, that equals your gross margin. And then if you have gross profit, subtract your expenses, you end up with net profit. If you take net profit divided by gross profit, you get net margin. Good. So for you net math nerds out there who are building spreadsheets, you're welcome. Uh, for anyone that's not a 99 out of 100 nerd, uh, I'm like a 98 uh, uh, that missed me um, without visuals. So, but Kyle sees it. So if you saw it, cool. If not, don't worry. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, and I should say net margin. Some people will do net profit divided by gross profit. Some will do net profit divided by total revenue. Yeah. Some you people do it different. You, you know. Calculate it. Um, so we're 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 tracking how much the company is making. Yes. As on a company side, if you're an agent, you want to take out your split and how much you are making. Um, and then we're also tracking another. One that's just an interesting um, thing to see is we're calling it leads with heat. So the leads that are in are hot, are warm, are cold. People that we've connected with saying that they will transact in the next 12 months. Um, we, we're tracking that, comparing it to other lead sources versus leads. So that way we can see how many are still stuck in lead stage. How many can we not connect with? They won't respond to a text, email, phone call, nothing. How many are there versus how many are have we talked to and said, yes, I will buy in the next 12, 18 months? Yeah. And that's like anytime you sign up for a new lead source, you can't start tracking closings day one. You just have to track progress. So what we're looking at initially is how many of those have we actually connected with and ultimately staged um, or what we call qualified in our team where we've talked to them. We've been able to have a conversation to qualify what stage to put them in. So first, we're looking at how many have we just actually made contact with to qualify and put into a stage. That's part of it. Then we start to look at that's the first metric you want to track with a new lead source. Then secondarily, you want to start tracking what uh, stage did you put them in, depending, right, if you have ABC, hot, warm, cold, um, was it before hot nurture watch, which is confusing, um, <laughs> ABC or, or hot, warm, cold. Like Now, once we've we've determined like how many of these are we actually making contact with and qualifying, that's first metric. We need to look at that because that's the immediate thing we can track. Then where are we uh, staging them, right? Are, are we staging a lot of them into hot or are we staging a lot of them into cold or even trash? Like, Then you start to look at that. That's going to be like your secondary metric you're going to track. And then ultimately you're going to start tracking You know, um, how many appointments are you going on with those leads and then the appointments are turning into signings and signings turn into closings. So that all leads into, now that you know exactly how to track it, because uh, if you do, please text me because I have to build that spreadsheet um, this quarter. Uh, but now that you know exactly how to track it, I wanted that to lead into us realizing, wow, our internet leads are kind of sucking. And we're doing 
lot, lots. Of, we're, we're not doing like the cheapest Facebook leads possible because we knew those are not great. We're not doing, uh, we tried for a while and we liked them for a minute, Craigslist ads, but we're doing like pay-per-click stuff, stuff with intent. People are actually searching, you know, homes for sale in this area. We're noticing no es bueno. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, what we're starting to see, oh, Brian just broke a chair. Um, what we're starting to see is the conversion rate is just getting lower and lower. I mean, our pay-per-click conversion is less than a percent right now. It's a fraction of a percent, um, which we attribute to a few things. One, it's far more competitive, um, is a huge part of it. Two, there's a lot of very big brands out there that are, you know, garnering consumer attention. Um, and three, it's hard to get a damn phone call through to somebody. There's so much technology now that, you know, a lot of your phone calls, like your number starts to get marked as spam likely, or your phone number doesn't even ring on their damn phone because it's been marked spam so many times and you don't even realize it. You're just going to dead space. Like you're not mm -hmm. even getting to a voicemail for people. Um, same thing, your text messages, like a lot of your text messages are just literally going into space, never actually getting through to people. So because it's getting so hard to actually connect with people, um, I think that's also driving conversion rates down. Yeah. Well, yeah. And for, yeah. All those things. So, okay. So internet leads suck. Well, yeah. So the, the few points to hit on there, one, the conversion rate is getting far worse. I mean, we used to convert pay-per-click at one or 2%. Now we're a fraction of a percent, right? So the conversion rate has gone down a lot. The cost has gone up a ton because um, there's far more competition and, and every single realtor on earth wants to just find a way they can spend money, get lead and, and you know, ultimately get more closing. So there's a ton of people who are blowing money, which is driving cost up. Um, you know, some of these lead sources, if you're, if they'll still take your money are charging you like a thousand plus dollars a lead, like it's an absurd amount of money that people are paying. So you have conversion rates dropping and then you have cost skyrocketing, which is making it next to impossible to actually make any money. And a lot of people are struggling to make money on the top line. By the time you actually factor in cost of goods sold, expenses, everything, they're losing their face off. Um, so I think that's a huge problem. The other things we're looking at, um, a lot of these companies have gone away from even selling you leads. They've gone to the point they won't even sell a lead to you because what they found is they're selling leads to agents and agents were paying upwards of $1,000 for leads, you know, hundreds, if not a thousand plus dollars for a lead. And then the person would say, I want to go see one, two, three Main Street, or I'm interested in one, two, three Main Street. And the freaking agent about half the time would never even return the inquiry. God, that's crazy. Like it's insane. Well, then the problem occurs that the consumer thinks that website X is trash because I filled this form out on website X and I never got a response from anybody. They're not upset at the agent. They don't even know what agent was supposed to reach them because no agent ever did. So they're not putting a blame on on any particular agent. They're putting it on the website. And they're and, not wrong. The consumer's not wrong. I've done yeah, that with track data. with uh, Angie's list. And I'm literally it's just Angie now. I know. Come on. Just I know. Don't date yourself, old man. And I'm literally the best lead. I'm like, I'm looking to buy right now. I don't care about like I I, I know as they're building it out, I'm like, I'm the best lead they've got. Like I'm I wanna I, and, and I'll get like maybe one. I'm like, you win. You called me back three days later. Like what? What the hell? Yeah. But yeah. That's crazy. So what a lot of these websites realize is like, this is hurting our brand because consumers are coming to our website, filling out a form to get info and the agents never calling to give them the damn info. So what a lot of these websites have done is 
done is gone away from selling leads to any agent whose credit card will go through and instead picking, you know, top performing agents and teams across the country. And they're just giving the leads out, but they're not charging an upfront fee um, like they used to. They're just collecting a referral fee on the back end. So what that's done is it's provided a better consumer experience because they're going to the agents that actually answer the phone, that return the phone calls that are going to be good and provide good service. So it's increased the consumer experience. It's also helped a lot of these agents and teams offload a lot of those upfront expenses, but they're collecting it on the back end now via referral fee. Those referral fees, there's not anybody who expects those to go down. We only expect those to go up. It's so, like rent in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, some of these companies started at 25, 30%, then they've gone to 30, 35, 35, 40. Like, you know, they're going to end up like the relocation companies that are charging 40, 50 plus percent. So, um, you know, you're in addition to costs going up, the referral fees, if you're on that model, that's going up with a lot of these companies. So you got to keep that in mind. Um, and then the, the biggest one is the lack of control. You know, we had a partnership with a big company at one point and something went south, you know, in that relationship. We had 14 employees and literally just in the blink of an eye, that account was gone. We had to fire 14 people. Had to completely rechain, you know, position the company, do all kinds of changes. Like that could happen. Like, and we lost a lot of money. <laughs> we lost a lot. Yeah, a lot. Not only the money that we had spent, but the opportunity costs we lost as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a huge, huge deal. And that can happen to anybody. It happened to us. It could happen to you. Um, nobody's, you know, immune to that. We could all have that same thing happen. So, um, you don't want to build your business on one leg, especially not a leg like internet leads that you don't control. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a, a saying that I heard is that you don't build your castle on somebody else's land. And if you're building your castle or your real estate business in our scenario, dependent solely on one particular, you know, portal, website, you know, Internet lead source like that thing could get cut off tomorrow and you are screwed. So you want to build a business that has at least four legs. Right. You think about your typical chair. It has four legs. You've also probably sat on chairs that have three legs. Right. A chair can work with three legs as well. So you, it's so just, weird. You're like, you know, he's got three legs. You can use a tripod. You can sit on that. There's, I've sat on <laughs> chairs with three legs. A chair will weird. still stand. But if you build a, you know, if you have a chair with one or two legs and you take a leg out, your, your ass is on the ground. So yeah. <laughs> you want to build a business that even if one of your legs gets kicked out, you're still standing. Um, and so, you know, on our team, we've built something we call the core four. Hold on. Before, before we um, do get yeah, into that, yeah. we've already told Sorry, them transition. they're, they're right. tracking wrong. Yeah, you're doing your ROI wrong. You got to build a whole spreadsheet. We're not trying to be an a hole here. We're just trying to help you. Oh, just no, trying to help you realize you might actually be losing money because we were and we didn't yeah. know. And so <laughs> the, the reason we we usually call people out is because we're like, oh, we've been messing this up for years as well, and no one told us. So so tracking the ROI wrong. Last year was rough for a lot of people. It was rough for us. Um, and now we're saying, hey, the solution to that is not internet leads. They're, they're, so that's fun. So are we going to give them any good news or? Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I just felt like I hadn't talked for a while. I wanted to <laughs> we were transition into I'm like, wait a second, it's my turn. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, the, the good news is that you, there's a lead source. I've told a story and you've, if you've heard me tell you it, you need to hear me say it again because you probably haven't done anything with it. And sometimes you need to hear a story more than once. There's a book called Acres of Diamonds. I'm not going to tell you the whole book. I'm just going to give you the um, elevator pitch version of it. There's a guy, he lives on this farm, he's reading these stories, hearing these stories about these people who are getting super rich, you know, mining diamonds all around the world. And the guy's like, that looks amazing. I want to go get rich um, and mine diamonds. So he sells his farm, goes and travels all over the world chasing diamonds. And 
everywhere he goes, he strikes out. He goes here, no diamonds. Goes there, no diamonds. Goes here, goes there, goes here, goes there. Eventually, he runs out of money. He gets distraught. He sees no reason to even live anymore. He throws himself into a tidal wave and dies. Um, meanwhile, I hate that part of the story. <laughs> Can't we just be like, it's he, weird. He lost. I mean, that's one. It's a weird way to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So meanwhile, the guy who bought the farm, that one day he's just walking along the river and picks up a rock and it's like, oh, this is cool. It's like this shiny rock is kind of neat. He brings it back to the house, puts it up on the mantle above the fireplace, doesn't think a whole lot of it. Um, later on, a man comes over to the house and you know they're hanging out, doing their thing and points it up at the rock, says, hey, what's that? And the guy's like, oh, it's this cool shiny rock I found down by the river. And the guy says, let me see it, looks at it and says, this isn't a rock, this is a diamond. And lo and behold, there were acres of diamonds right along this riverbed the entire time on this guy's farm that he sold to go chase diamonds. And for a lot of you, you're selling the farm to go chase diamonds. And one of those diamonds you're chasing is internet leads that are going nowhere. You're going to come up empty. And if you could just focus on your acres of diamonds, which for you is your freaking sphere of influence. There it is. You like, need to him? be focused on your <laughs> sphere of influence. Like that's your acres of diamonds. It's already there. It's literally right underneath your feet or in, in our sense, it's in your palm of your hand. You you might be watching this podcast or listening to this podcast on your phone. Like your phones are acres of diamonds. Like everything you need is already in here. You don't need new leads. You don't need a new lead until you have your sphere of influence plan nailed down. Mm -hmm. And I ask agents all the time. I've been in rooms of hundreds of people and I'll, I'll say, hey, how many of you in here would say that your sphere of influence plan is a 10 out of 10? And typically it's a 1% or less. I've been in rooms of like 500 and I think I've seen like two people who will say like, I'm a 10 out of 10 on sphere. What the hell are the other 498 people doing? Internet but the leads. other 498 people are dropping a thousand bucks to lead or paying a 35, 40% referral fee. You realize mm -hmm. how stupid that is? Like, mm -hmm. that's totally stupid. That's like trying to build a house on sand with no foundation. That shit's not gonna work. It's gonna collapse over time. Might be able to prop it up for a little while, but it's gonna rain a few times. It's all gonna sink and your house is, is freaking gone. So, you need to have a solid foundation before you build a house. That solid foundation is your sphere of influence. And so give us some bullet points of how you do that. What does that look like? Someone's like, yeah, I do stuff with my sphere, but I don't know if it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you got to do is just get your sphere into your preferred CRM. Like that's where you got to start. And if you need help figuring out like, who's my sphere? Sphere is anybody you know that mm -hmm. you have something that you've established some level of a relationship with. They could be your friends, your family, the, your coworkers. Like that's Start your, with your phone book. Yeah, that's your obvious. Like your phone book is your sphere. Well, um, um, but some of them might be like hot girl number three. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> Tom says yes. Yeah, look at Tom back there getting all excited. I love it. Um, and if you want, I have this memory jogger that will give you like a whole bunch of ideas of sphere of uh, influence stuff. Like, hey, have you thought about your mailman? Have you thought about... Your, your dentist, have you thought about this person, that person, right? Like I have this whole memory jogger that can help you come up with a list of all the people that you need. But your sphere should be a big number. And I've had people say like, well, I just moved here. I don't have a big sphere. Well, you better get your ass into some freaking groups and establish a sphere because it's not going to establish itself. So if you don't have a sphere and a you know, and you just moved into a new city, like one of the things we did is we shot videos with every single business owner in our city. I did a hundred videos. I now have 
100 business owners in my sphere. That's a way you could do it. Another way you could do it is, you know, if you're uh, one of the girls on our team used to run a group called Hike It Baby. Like she had young kids. She liked to go hiking. There was a group called Hike It Baby and she would go hike with other moms and dads that had young kids and all wanted to go hiking together. And she built a sphere of influence that way. Maybe you like to go play some pickup basketball. You go to the, the court every Sunday and you, you know, you shoot some hoops. Like, hi, nice to meet your, you. Would you like to fill out my lead form? Uh, but no, so those, those, those become your people. Like that's yeah. your sphere. So it's, it's anybody, you know, that you have some level of a relationship with could be your past clients, friends, family, anybody. It's, it's literally anybody and everybody that you have a, some level of a relationship with. We did a couple podcasts with some of our agents and some other things. Um, one is like you said, business owners, places that you frequent, um, Clayton was talking about his drum circle friends. Dan was talking about his church friends. Um, it's really easy. It's it's so much easier to make friends as an adult, I've learned, when you have kids that are involved in things. So my six-year-old's going to be starting soccer here soon, baseball, um, school, PTA, like all that stuff is so much easier um, to get into groups. It's kind of weird when you're like, hi, I want to be my friend. And you're like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like... Find your hobbies, and there's also groups like um, the the there's chamber networking of networking groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, chambers. There's BNI, Latip. There's all these groups that literally foster networking yes. amongst business professionals. So, um, so first thing you got to do is establish your your list, your sphere of influence. Second thing you need to do is you need to actually gather all the data for those people. So you need to have names, um, phone numbers, email addresses. You know their significant other um, and all of their their contact info. You need to get key dates, birth dates, anniversary dates. If they're past clients, their house anniversaries, you want to get that. If they have kids, their kids' names, their kids' birth dates. If they have pets, their pets, their pets' names, their pets' birth dates. How do you get this stuff? You be a stalker on social media. That's how you get it. Like, let's just be very real. You go through their freaking Facebook or in their Instagram and you scroll through and you look for the post of 100 people wishing them happy birthday. Boom, nailed their birthday. You look for the picture of their little kid. Um, when it's their kid's birthday or you find the picture of when the, their first picture with their brand newborn kid, like you find it, spend some time. This is a very valuable usage of your time. You're spending a lot of time on other dumb shit. This is smart shit to spend your time on. So just build all of this data, get as much data as you can, know as much about these people as you can, because you want to start looking for these magic moments. So the next thing is you need to get them all added onto social media. You need to have your entire sphere. It's not weird to add your sphere, especially your sphere on social media. You need to add all of them on onto social media um, so that you have them all in there and you can start engaging with them. The ones that, because there's limitations of how many people you can do this with, but Facebook and Instagram both have the ability to add people to favorites. Just Google how to do it. Um, you can add people to favorites. And now you could on Facebook, you could have it where you see any post. If it's from a favorite, it's at the top of your feed so you don't miss anything. On Instagram, there's a separate section you go to where you only see people that are your favorites. You want to have that in there because now you want to start looking for magic moments in their life. You want it when it's their birthday, you want to be able to, you know, send them a video message or say something to them or send them something. When they have an anniversary, you want to be able to do something about it. When somebody's sick, you want to be able to, you know, send them something or say something. Like you want to start looking for those, those magic moments of either, you know, key dates that happen or just, you know, key life events. Somebody gets a promotion at work, congratulations. Somebody's having a baby, congratulations. Like you, you want to be able to do stuff for them when you see these magic moments happen in their life. Um, the two primary ways we like to do this is either to acknowledge them or to gift them. Um, or the combination thereof. Acknowledgement, I love doing via video as opposed to just sending somebody a text message, HBD. 
Like that's trash. So HPD, if you guys aren't, um, if you're not 40 up to speed is happy birthday. <laughs> um, it's amazing, right? Somebody's birthday. Everybody goes on social media on their Facebook and is just like HPD, HPD, HPD. Like what the fuck? Like send them a video and actually say, Hey Brian, what's up, man? I saw it's your birthday. I know you're out. You're playing with cats, going to the cat cafe and having a bunch of ice cream tonight. Is this um, how you do a video? Yeah. Because you know, I've been surfing a lot lately and <laughs> dropping into the if you're dropping like, in those 20 if you're foot listening breakers. To podcast, Kyle yeah. has his thumb and finger out as if he's making a phone call and he's like, yeah. do a video. And he puts his thumb next to his ear. I'm, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you just want to send him a message, right? Send him a video message, send him an audio message, whatever, but send him something that's different than what everybody else does. Because I've also stood in rooms of 500 people and asked, how many of you guys got a video message on your birthday last year? And it's about the same number, it's about two. Mm hmm. Right. 498 people didn't. And the two people who did get one, they remember who did it. So sending video messages. And then the other thing we love using client giant, we have our friends, Jay and the guys at client giant are phenomenal. Um, you could set people up on birthday campaigns. You could set them up on anniversary campaigns. You could set them up on top of mind campaigns and just have random gifts go out to them throughout the year. Like there's so many little things you see somebody has a birthday or a, a baby. You could have a birthday or baby gift go out to them. You see somebody got a, um, is getting married. You could have a, a marriage gift go out. Like there's all these gifts where you don't have to think of what to send them. You literally just click the button and they take care of it for you. Um, and if you guys want to have a hookup to get a discount on them, so you could shoot me a DM on Instagram at Kyle whistle, I'll hook you up. So just the combination of like getting your sphere into something, then getting all the key dates, acknowledging them on those key dates, gifting to them. It's a very valuable usage of your time. I'd far rather spend $1,000 gifting to my sphere than buying one stupid internet lead. Like, Just think about how stupid it is to spend 1000 bucks for a name and a phone number of somebody who may never respond to you versus spending $1,000 gifting to your clients. It's amazing where I tell agents, like, yeah, you need to get signed up for this. Like, no, I'm just going to buy leads on X website. Like, you idiot. If you just took that same money and loved on your sphere, you would do exponentially more business. And Absolutely. when you work with your sphere, you don't have to compete. You don't have to fight over commission. It's the freaking best. They already like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing before we wrap, because I know we're, we're about at time right now, is we do four client events a year. Um, and we do like a barbecue, a fall festival, a movie night, and a... Um, Santa. A uh, holiday party. Yes. Yeah, so, and we do these four events. We mail invitations to... To our clients, we email invitations, we call and text them. So if you just start acknowledging magic moments, gifting, inviting them to events, if you just do those four or those three things, like that will completely change your business. And nobody can take that away from you. Now you're building your castle on your own land. That will never be taken away from you. Website X can't take it away. Your broker can't take it away. Nobody can take what you've built, that castle you've built. Nobody can take that away from you. Yes and no. Um, and, and I'm going to just kind of expand on one thing that you talked about when you get all their, their data and, and you add them on social media, add them on multiple social media platforms, um, add, have their phone number, their email address, communicate with them different ways, because as we saw, it's harder to get people to answer the phone. If, if carriers say, Hey, now T-Mobile can't text sprint or whatever. Now, now sprint, they took that away from me. If Facebook says, hey, now we're going to charge you for it, which is whatever, now they took that away from you. So make sure you have that information. You have their address, you have their phone number, you have their email, and you're you're hitting them in different ways. That's how no one can take it away from you because you own that relationship. But each of those different channels can be taken away. Yep. Cool. 
Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys got some value. Again, if you want um, a hookup with Client Giant, you want that memory jogger for your sphere of influence, just DM me on Instagram at Kyle Whistle. I'm totally down to hook you up with that. I have a feeling I'll get a lot of DMs on that. Yeah, when you um, said that, I was like, oh, God. I, I got a system for these now. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hopefully you guys got some value out of the show today. If you did, if you uh, are watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. It helps with the algorithm on there. Let uh YouTube know to share this with more people. And if you want more of our content, you can always hit the subscribe button, a little notification bell, and YouTube will make sure to update you anytime we drop a new video. And if you're on a podcast platform, if you um, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and then hook us up with a review as well. Reviews are uh, very difficult to get on podcast platform. If you could take like five minutes and just write a quick review about um, your experience tuning into the podcast, it means a lot to us. So would sincerely appreciate that. And before we wrap, one of the things we like to do here on the show is to dive into um, our whistle widget of the week. This is something that saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have more fun. So what do you got for us, Brian? So mine, as we continue to build out our studio, you can't see it on the camera here, um, but what we did is above us here and along the wall to my right um, is we added a bunch of this sound foam. And for what, if you guys are listening to the podcast and can't see, this is um, gray foam, like, like packing foam. Um, and it's got different layers. So that it kind of looks, when it's laying flat, flat it kind of looks like it's a, a cityscape. Um, it's got different layers on it. And what it does is people always say, oh, you're soundproofing the room, which is not true. What we're doing is we're, we're insulating the room to um, have less uh, echo. And what happens is the sound comes from your voice hits these uh, different layers and bounces in different directions so it doesn't go directly back. That's where you hear the echo. So we use this and the thing that I like about this and I'll give the link to Tom so he can put it in the show notes um, is it has this sticky back on the back of it. So you just peel the back off, stick it on the wall. You don't have to, we've tried 3M strips before. We've tried staples that, you know, we basically have to nail it into the wall um, with the other stuff. But this, this sticky uh, backing, we were able to pull off really easily, put it on the wall really easily. And so far it's holding up. Cool. Yeah. Um, the one that I'm going to use, I was actually out at our river house recently and I needed to install some curtains in the house. And, um, I don't really have a whole lot of tools out there. It's just a vacation house. And my wife went to the store and she's like, I got curtains. I need you to put these curtain rods up. I was like, crap. Um, I hate having to do that stuff because it's like, I'm a perfectionist and to put this curtain rod and I need to make sure this thing is level and if it ends up not level I'll never be able to sleep so I always put four holes in just at this point I do it in the beginning too high too low at some point it'll fit <laughs> I remember Brian putting your closet together that came tumbling down um, no I, that was the house that I bought it, it already did that I didn't put that closet together Mine's still standing. Um, so I needed to install this stuff and I was like, man, I need a freaking levels or somebody who can, uh, somebody in the neighborhood, anybody have a level. And while I was waiting for somebody to bring me a level, I was like, hey, there's probably an app for that. And sure enough, there's a bubble level app that came in extremely handy to use um, when I needed to install some curtain rods and I didn't have a level with me. So you say I have dumb widgets. This is a dumb, this is the dumbest widget you've ever done. It is a functional widget that I used in the God, last week. And so this dumb. bubble level ensured that I got this curtain rod perfectly installed. Um, but it could be good. Maybe you're out at a house and you're like, hey, is this thing sloping? Um, you know, is this floor sloping or is this counter sloping or anything like that? You could literally just set your phone down and get a, you know, it's not the most accurate thing in the world, but it could at least give you an indication 
um, of the levelness of a surface. Can you imagine if you were the the listing agent and someone said, "See the this picture, my the phone screenshot so- <laughs> the the bubble level." Yeah, yeah, someone had to take a picture of the phone. Oh my god, that that's a dumb widget. Anyway, <laughs> hey, it's I used it and I found a real estate tie into it. So. Whatever. It's not putting a phone around my neck. That's a great a... widget. <laughs> Mine's a great widget. How many that times was... have you used that? Never, thing? but it's still great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, mine is useful. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this week's episode of the Whistle Way podcast. We will see you next week. Make sure to connect on Instagram at Kyle Whistle. We'll see you on there. <laughs>